Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And, um... And Emily. <laughs> yes, thank you for coming back, Emily. Thanks for having me back. We lured you onto this podcast with Harmless and Easily Domesticated, which, you know, is not that hard to read. It was delightful, yeah. <laughs> and then we sprung this on you, which is oh, ten times as long. Yes. Maybe, yes. Maybe nine. Well, like, you had um, sent me this fic and saw, like, yes, it's Lupin-centered, and it's Slash with Remus, uh, no doubt, no, Remus, serious, God. Um, I mean, I would Slash <laughs> Lupin. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, if you wanted to summon me, mm-hmm. that's the thing you'd put in the summoning <laughs> circle. Is like, it's a Lupin fanfic. Serious, yeah. Seemed like a good match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I gotta say, like, it definitely made the fanfic fly by that there was so many good sex scenes between <laughs> Sirius and Lupin. Uh, well written, yeah. Yeah. This is an author who I was able to contact. I guess I should back up a bit. What? The fanfic is... Yeah, which fanfic are we reading today? <laughs> which fanfic are we about to sit down and read? Yes. <laughs> even though it's 100,000 words long. The fanfic today is Stealing Harry, a Harry Potter fanfic by Copper Badge. Um, and, you know, that was their fan fiction publishing name, at least. I wasn't 100% able to confirm that it originally came out in 2004, but it seems like it did. It's just that when it went up on several websites, it was all published in, like, extremely short order over the course of, like, a few days. Which makes me think, was it published somewhere else first and just republished? Hmm. Anyway, my point is that Copper Badge is one of those authors who I managed to contact and who graciously, uh, you know, sent us a message back. Mm-hmm. They said... For one thing, they were totally fine with us doing this, which is good because we would have done it anyway. (laughs) And their other main comment was, if you think the fanfic had too much sex, I basically agree. Okay, good. The author says that they kind of wrote it under the misapprehension that that's why people were reading it for the sex. And that's not really the case. It it surprises me, like, because I think if I had been writing this, I would have thought the same thing. And I feel like it's not incorrect to assume that people wanted to see that slash pairing and like sex scenes between that pairing. It was so popular that even I, not being a Harry Potter fan, but merely just a gay person, <laughs> was very exposed to it. <laughs> like, on the other hand, if I'd been reading this for the Remus serious sex, mm-hmm. I would have stopped reading in chapter three and been like, eh, this is going nowhere. Yeah, you would have been on the pub for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah they make they you work really for do. it. There's yeah. other smut that like, gets straight to that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this had a nice build to those scenes, so it felt... I, I liked them even more because of that. Yeah, but it is a good point. Like, I definitely wasn't reading for that. I didn't even expect mm-hmm. that to happen. Mm-hmm. It was like, serious right off the bat is like, very much considered to be straight. And you don't even get a hint that Remus really likes him, but like, at that way until mm-hmm. later, until Sirius starts to initiate something. Anyway, we'll get there. But. So how'd you find this fanfic, Amato? It's pretty well known. It's not like that top tier of extremely super famous Harry Potter fanfiction. Mm-hmm. It's not Draco Dormians. It's not Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. But it's like one step down from that. Um, it showed up multiple places. It was specifically recommended to us by our fan Deirdre, like by email. 
Deirdre being one of the few fans who like actually directly contacts us with that sort of thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Deirdre. And I'm still on my role of, in our new year of fan fiction, doing specific recommendations from people. Um, but poking around, it's not obscure. It's not like a diamond in the rough. It's a diamond lying there on the road. <laughs> um, on the well-paved road of mm-hmm. Harry Potter slash fic. It's exactly. diamond roadkill. <laughs> yeah, it's just lying there. No one's picked it up for some reason. <laughs> so, like, this is, I think, the second fanfic we've read that has a podfic, meaning somebody, you know, read it as an audiobook. Mm-hmm. I wish I had known that before, because I think that must have been a cool way to experience it. I guess I didn't tell you. Sorry about yeah, that. No, it's all good. Now, an excuse to revisit this one. It's I, a nine-hour-long podfic, I think. A, yeah, it's a long yeah. book on tape. It's also uh, mostly translated into French. If you want to read it in French, you can find it. Hmm. I don't think they got all the way through it, though, because it's only like 85,000 words long. Then again, maybe French is a more condensed language. Yeah, maybe. There's probably more words, I think. There's this, uh, you think so? Well, <laughs> have you read Proust? <laughs> no. No, but I have been reading Little Prince in French. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's my thought. I've only read Proust in translation. Mm-hmm. And then when you read him in translation, the sentences take up multiple pages. Maybe if you read it in the French, they'd be shorter. So true story, Tori, (laughs) I've never needed to say that author's name in my life or heard it said. Mm -hmm. So up until 10 seconds ago, I thought it was Proust. That's fair. (laughs) I mean, honestly, totally fair. I think I probably would have thought that if I wasn't such a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I need to work on my nerdity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yes, well-known, well-regarded, and it seems to be especially big among Lupin serious shippers. Yes. And that pairing has a ship name, which I did not know until researching this fic. Does anyone know what it is? Let's hear your best serious uh, Lupin. Syrian. <laughs> I used ship to names. know it. Syrian. I don't, can't no, think of it right It does now. not involve either of their names. Uh, Shaggy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, but that's more like serious, serious. Wolf right. Dog. <laughs> Dog, wolf, wolf, dog. Wolf, dog, wolf, dog is good too. It's wolf star. Wolf star. That's right. Star. Mm-hmm. Serious. The star. That's the, the dog name. star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Gotcha. I mean, wolf, something about wolf dog makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, the ship name is wolf star. What was so, a terrible ship name I got upset at before? Uh, that was Strucky. Stucky. 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 Yeah. For Steve and Bucky in the Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe. Right. It's a terrible name. I still vote for Beave, honestly. Beave is better, I think. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Snary. Yeah, I don't even yeah. want to go there. So, yeah. <laughs> my favorite Sailor Moon podcast, Sailor Business, has a ship name for Makoto and Ami, Jupiter and Mercury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The ship name is Cookbook. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Get, get it? Adorable. I didn't know that you could Because cooking just... and book. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> I just didn't know you could just use, like, random aspects of the people to represent them. I thought you had to use their name. It well, is permitted. Well, you, you can try it, but you have to submit it to the foundation, and, you know, their their uh, qualification yeah. process is pretty sure. stringent, and who knows what, what they'll... Got it. What they'll it, approve. Uh-huh. Or it's more like fandoms, like, I love that! Oh, my God! <laughs> That's more accurate. You yeah. just make up whatever shit you want, other people mm-hmm. like it. <laughs> You'd think you could do something other than Stucky, it's true. Yeah. Like, if you weren't going by names, it would be, like, Winter Captain Shield. Winter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you can't do better than Stucky. 
<laughs> we At least tried. it's memorable. Winter America. <laughs> Winter, Winter America. America. <laughs> Sounds very pastoral. Mm-hmm. Uh, snow USA. <laughs> <laughs> I want a ship name that's Surfing USA. We just need to <laughs> find the appropriate Silver person. Surfer. Silver Surfer. Yes. yes. There you Silver go. Surfer Captain, Captain America. America. <laughs> Someone, if that's not a ship, I want to read it. <laughs> I want to read it now. I mean, they should exist. Now like, that song's stuck in my head. Thanks. There's a writer's prompt for you all. We <laughs> want Surfing USA. I might need to participate in Yuletide just for this. Okay. So the fanfic as noted, is long. It's on the longer side of things that we've read. It's not the longest thing we've read, because we read The One I Love Is. We read Slayer's Reflect, and at least one of us actually read all the way through Pokemon Master. But after those three, I think it's now the fourth longest thing we've actually tried to read. And like the first two are just chunks of it. Not well, No, we read The, the One I Love Is. We also read Slayer's Reflect. Right. This didn't actually seem that long How long to were me. That's because we were skimming heavily. <laughs> well, no, no. Slayer's, Re- Slayer's Reflect didn't seem that long because it was well written and flowed well. Right. Mm. The one I love is didn't seem that long because the second half of it was just like recaps of episodes and we kind of skipped over it. <laughs> but it was technically like 150,000 words. Yeah, no, th- th- those seemed reasonably long. I meant like this fanfic didn't seem that long. Oh, yeah. like, it's about 300 pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely well, novel length. We, we just read one that was about 300 pages. Uh, Phoenix Burning. Yeah. Was also about that length. Hmm. Oh, and Just a Dream was a little bit longer. I forgot mm-hmm, that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we do it sometimes. I try not to do it too much. But because of its length, we'll try not to go chapter by chapter, but we'll try to, when we're discussing the fanfic, flow through what is going on. The basic premise is that it's an alternate, it's a divergent timeline, you would call it, from main Harry Potter. And um, Emily, as someone who has read yeah. the third book multiple times recently... <laughs> Yes. Can you describe to us where this continuity diverges from the official one? Well, this is like um, even before Harry was... um, Lily and James were murdered by Voldemort. Um, So, okay, I'm probably going to get some details wrong (laughs) just because my brain's a little foggy. But um, so... We had uh, Sirius Black, who was the secret keeper for the Potters, um, who knew where their location was and um, was entrusted with that information um, to protect them from Voldemort and the Death Eaters. Um, At the last second, Sirius suggests to the Potters that they should change their secret keeper to Peter Pettigrew. Um, Because who would expect Peter Pettigrew? Um, And indeed, Peter sells them out to Voldemort, and um, Voldemort kills James and Lily. Harry's left with the scar, as we all know. Um, And Sirius Black was the one who was accused of giving away the Potter's location. Um, uh, Peter gets away, and, yeah, Sirius gets taken to Azkaban, but in this version, um, Sirius does not go to Azkaban, and instead he gets held up, and uh, Lucius Malfoy is the one to um, that ends up going to Azkaban. 
Yeah, so. he takes the fall. And I'm not familiar enough with the blow-by-blow blow there to really mm-hmm. understand how that shakes out. Well, but how, it has to do with... How it happened in the original was mm-hmm. um, everybody thought Sirius had betrayed everybody. Yes. And so, like, Peter Pe- Pettigrew confronted him, saying, like, you betrayed him, shouting loudly so everybody hears. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did an explosion, killed several uh, muggles nearby, cut off some of their fingers, and ran away as a rat. Leaving yes. just And when Sirius realized what happened, he just started laughing maniacally. Mm-hmm. So they, some people come upon Sirius uh, around a bunch of corpses with Peter Pettigrew's fingers laughing maniacally. And they get sent right to Azkaban. Doesn't collect $200. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They does don't, not have that get out of Azkaban free card. They don't have a trial for him. <laughs> I don't, the, the wizarding system yeah. is it, and the British it's, system is all pretty weird. terrible. Huh? But oh yeah. In this one, Remus gets held up in um, England for some reason. Meets up with Sirius before while they're looking for Peter Pettigrew. They take a wrong turn, so Lucius Malfoy gets there first mm-hmm. uh, because they're also mad at because the Death Eaters are also mad at Peter Pettigrew. And uh, same thing happens with explosions, and Peter d- disappears and it looks like. Mal Floyd killed Pettigrew yes. and gets sent to Azkaban. Okay. That Thanks makes for sense. summing that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't quite clear on all of that. It, mm. it, it kind of, in this fanfic, like, it's definitely there, but mm. it's a lot of information. But there is a bit of fixation on, like, if we'd taken the right turn, what would have happened? Yeah, Remus told, took them a wrong turn once, which made them take longer to find Peter mm-hmm. than originally. Right. And that's the AU difference. And it's a not super important but consistent subplot that Remus is seeing visions of the main continuity in his dreams. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to mm-hmm. say right now, I don't like when an AU stuff does that. I, I think it should be its own story. I thought it was unnecessary at I, least. I found it interesting. It's like, because one of my favorite tropes is dark future, mm-hmm. where like you get somebody visiting from the dark timeline. The darkest timeline. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> And in this case, it's like the canon is the dark future. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they are actually in kind of this much nicer timeline, I think. It yeah, really I'm, is. I'm kind yeah. of around to that with the concept of the original timeline being the darkest timeline. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I really was, though. Yeah. I think, yeah, so the way the original timeline intrudes on the story is through Remus mm-hmm. having dreams of it. And every time he has a dream, it's super horrifying. It's like yeah. this terrible nightmare. Like, at first he starts having prophetic kind of dreams where he thinks he knows where Peter is, but then it turns into these nightmares and he keeps seeing Sirius, like, ravaged by staying at Azkaban for 12 years. He's seeing and, stuff from book three. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And seeing himself, like, what their time has done to him being alone as a werewolf and not having, as we learn in this, like, series to kind of look after him that way. And this is also proof that Peter Pettigrew is alive. Which yes. otherwise Remus wouldn't have any reason to believe currently. Yeah. So it's interesting because that whole dark future thing is totally true. And I think it's a funny thread through this because the dreams and the visions kind of help you identify how this reality is different and Mm -hmm. juxtapose it. And Mm -hmm. I I really do like that. And there's like kind of a little bit towards the end where they kind of just like very neatly identify that it's visions of an alternate reality. But you could probably have assumed that. But there's... um, Someone Remus goes to see. Remus's doctor, yeah. His, I thought it was like his psychiatrist, maybe. But, Both? But, yeah, I don't know. Caseworker. Caseworker? Yeah. Something like the, that. Oh, from the magical ministry from the time when he was 
he oh. had a case as a werewolf. Well, he had a werewolf when he attacked Snape as a, when they were in school. When they were in school. So anyway, he goes and sees that person, and he's kind of like, well, have you heard of this thing where you can, like, <laughs> get visions from other timelines when you sleep? And he's like, oh, okay, I guess that's what's been happening. It's talked up to magical yeah. sensitivity for being a magical creature. Right. Mm-hmm. In addition to a wizard, I guess. Yeah. So in this story, in the alternate timeline where Sirius, Sirius didn't get arrested, uh, Harry still has to go to the Dursleys in order for the protection charm to work, mm-hmm. to protect him against the Dark Wizards and Voldemort. And so Sirius decides to buy a business on the same street and a house so they can watch from a distance mm. and not interfere, and, and interfere as little as possible in Harry's upbringing. Yeah. The business is called Sandust Books. It's mostly a muggle bookstore, but they like have a little stock for you know people who are in the know of magical wizarding books and such. And as these things go, Harry eventually wanders into it at some point, and the story starts. <laughs> yeah, it, it starts with Harry's perspective, which I thought was yeah. really cool. Yeah, it felt very kind of original flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, I mean, book one starts off with the mysterious scene with Dumbledore, and but but if you ignore that, then it's kind of like you know mm-hmm. the first main chapter of Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kept expecting them to go back to that. Yeah, to Harry's perspective, they never really do, do they? No. Well, they stay in it for a while. Mm. But yeah, but then as soon as yeah, things kind of little bits at a time. Yeah, yeah. he um he's eight in this, mm-hmm. so and as a half. we have it, eight and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and his perspective is so sweet. He must be like the sweetest eight year old in the world because I know some eight year olds, <laughs> and. My gosh, they are not this sweet all of the time. But anyway. It definitely has the curiosity in there, though. And, I mean, so true when you tell a kid, oh, yeah, we don't go in there. Well, now I really want to go in there. Now that's all I want to do. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So he ends up in there at one point, and, you know, Remus is like a charming, mysterious, like, friendly adult book owner, bookstore owner, and there's the incredibly smart dog, you know, yes. it's almost mysterious. And, you know, you expect him to, like, get a a cool book from there and then turn around and the shop is gone as if it had never been. It's, like, that kind of experience for him. I think it's funny mm-hmm. the f- first book they give him is uh, Magician's Nephew. I cannot forgive <laughs> Remus for that yeah. this entire fanfic. It's the second time in, like, recent history here on this fan There's... that's come up, but that's not the first book. <laughs> I was about was to say Sirius that. that chose it, though. Oh, I can believe Sirius. But, Sirius is a, is but a rebel, after all. You know, he gives him Magician's Nephew because of the, like, the title, right? But... Mm. Here's what's unforgivable because, you know, he's the godson and, and yeah. he's apparently distantly related to Remus. not the magician's anyway, godson. Point Go being, on. point being, I was, I was wondering if you're going to bring that up because they do do this thing where they don't fully tell you it's the magician's nephew. They just imply that it's a Narnia book until he gives him the second one. And the second one is Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And he talks about how the magician's nephew wasn't like he liked that one better than Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. And I thought that would make you very unhappy, Amato, <laughs> knowing that they classified that as the first book. <laughs> he gives Yeah, he ends up giving Harry a copy of Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe and Truckers by Terry Pratchett. Mm. I was a little bit Strange. wondering in this Yeah. Is there like famous wizarding children's literature or do they just kind of coast on like the magical well, fantasy stories of muggles. I think the author has to write what they know. Yeah. And maybe in this continuity, C.S. Lewis and Terry Pratchett are wizards. You know what? That's probably as good an explanation as any. <laughs> sure. 
And the author, yeah, wanted books that they liked, and that's all I could think of, I imagine. And also because of the Magician's Nephew debate, because I, I didn't get a chance to weigh in on it before, mm-hmm. mm. with books and any other media, the proper uh, order to experience it is a release order. Thank you. When it was published or released. Correct. Yeah, I you know, and I agree with that, too. <laughs> Although I'd, I would say Magician's Nephew is a lot easier book to start off with than Land Witch in the Road Wardrobe. Yeah, well, if we start dumbing down our C.S. Lewis, you know, order, then who knows what will happen to this next generation. Start reading the Harry Potter books with the fourth book first. (laughs) Vitally important, pedagogically speaking. I'm pretty sure we covered that in teacher school. Yes, from what I recall of teacher school, that is correct. Uh, Anyway, the point is... They're keeping an eye on Harry, and, you know, coming face-to-face with him is both, like, oh, heart-wrenching for Sirius, especially as his godfather, and also, like, when they hear a little bit straight from his mouth how he's being abused, and, you know, he's being child-abused all over the place. Right. Uh-huh. They kind of they kind of snap, and they kind of go to tell off the Dursleys. Well, they, they go to go check up on him. They, yeah. they have some reason to be suspicious, so they're going to go see for themselves. Yes, but, you know, the quotes here are, like, Remus telling Sirius, you will stay very quiet and look menacing and let me do the talking. Mm -hmm. And Sirius is like, can I menace them physically? If you behave yourself, I might let you give Dudley a clip around the ear. It's like (laughs) they're going in not on a friendly basis. This is the only part I really didn't like is the fact that they were so mean to Dudley, who's also a kid who's just being really poorly raised. Mm. Like... These adults were like, we're going to beat up the child that's bullying Harry. It's like, yo, no. Well, mostly <laughs> serious. Yeah. Serious, yeah. Yeah. I like Sirius's reaction to the whole situation, though. He goes in yeah. there, guns blazing. He's like, this is not okay. I will get him out of here, and I will friggin' murder these <laughs> assholes who are abusing him. Yeah. I'm like, I'm right with you there. And Remus is like, okay, we gotta check stuff out first, gotta see what it is. And they walk in for like five seconds, see what's going on. Like, nope, out, let's go. Yeah, (laughs) things escalate real quickly. That that was the moment I'm like, I wish this was canon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what I always wanted. This should have been the story. It's a better story. It is. It's so much kinder and sweeter. And I don't know why they still feel the need to like beat up. Uh, on our uh, almost beat up Dudley, but That's whatever. Fair, yeah, that, like, that was a weird part, yeah. but whatever. Well, the yeah. point was like <laughs> Harry was getting bullied, and no, uh, no adult would believe and or protect them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, look, so they go in there and they just get him out of there right away. Apparently, there's a whole uh, genre of fanfic that kind of does this in the same way that we read that Lord of the Rings fanfic, and there's like a whole subset of fanfics bringing Frodo back from Valinor. <laughs> there's apparently a whole subset of Harry Potter fanfics is just. Getting Harry less traumatized yeah. as a child. I really yeah. appreciate this. Like, I, you know, it kind of speaks the un, kind of the unnecessary quality of child abuse in media. Like the fact that these people could come in and and, and take Harry away from this earlier on, and that doesn't do anything to harm the story of Harry Potter is, I don't know, I think important. Like, that something positive could happen to him. Like, I guess that happens when he goes to Hogwarts, but nonetheless. I think part of the original, at least the first book, was the um, escapism element of it, the harsh home life and then the Uh escapism of the magical world. I don't see the need to continue that for five, six more books after that. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's not like the boxcar children where, you know, they're like, 
parentless and living in a boxcar in the first book. Mm -hmm. And then they get adopted by, you know, Daddy Warbucks or whatever. (laughs) And and as a kid, I was like, no, I want them to keep living in the boxcar. Like, I'm, I'm not starting to read Harry Potter to read about this kid being forced to live in a cupboard under the stairs. That's not why I signed on. Yeah, right. It's not like the boxcar children where that, where I, I still don't forgive that series. Like if I was Rowling's editor back in the day, I'd suggest like maybe Harry staying someplace else once he got back from Hogwarts that, that first year. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, he shouldn't be forced to return to that situation. That's God, inhumane. No. Yeah. And it's just like, it's continuing trauma for him. I don't know. Now, it's not that Harry emerges from this fanfic untraumatized, Mm-mm. but that trauma is not inflicted on him by his caretakers. Well, the um, right, the yeah. dramatic ex- exchange of taking them out of the Dursleys is that the very heavy protection magic that's mm-hmm. protecting Harry their entire childhood is then gone, which means they're um, in play, basically, <laughs> as, they, as far as any, any evil forces are concerned. They get chewed out by Dumbledore, basically. It's kind of yeah. great. Well, because this was Dumbledore's idea. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Dumbledore is a dumbass. Because <laughs> seriously, like, who would let a child stay in that situation? Just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess he thought it was the best solution no to protect him. I don't think anyone's claiming Dumbledore makes the best decisions involving the well-being of children. No. no. It's just, there's so many other things yeah. that could have been done. There, such as it was just Remus extremely pragmatic, and that's it. Well, like, I think at some point in this fic, and I'm sorry for jumping ahead no, of no. it, but, like, I... Remember, at one point, they're talking about how bad the situation is, but it's like, but Harry's loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it could still be awful, but he still has mm-hmm. people, a family that loves him, and that's what was missing before. And the fanfic raises the question several times whether it was better to do this branch or to keep them at the Dursleys, and they always come back to, no, this is better. Yes. Hands down. Absolutely. Because right. it kind of brings up that question of, like, what is better keeping him safe from evil magics, obviously a priority, but you then have this other thing, which is raising him in a way that's kind and humane and is going to help him grow into a responsible adult because he also has equal potential to like become anything as well. And he's a powerful uh-huh. wizard. So if you just leave him in the hands of like abusive, tormenting parental figures, what's going to happen to the kid? Uh-huh. So. I guess they maybe always assumed he'd end up at Hogwarts, but it's just, it, yeah, anyway. I agree. Now, this adoption of Harry, um, well, for one thing, it's kind of a, a minor plot element that Remus is actually a distant relation of Harry's, like, blood-related. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all, all the wizards are kind of related to it each other. It seems like a really it's, small world. Yeah, it's pretty incestuous if you, like, kind of look up the family lines. It's mm. like uh, European royal families. Basically, yeah. Once you get back a certain uh, amount of times, it just turns into a root ball instead of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're not completely unprotected by, like, the death charm thing. Mm. It's not entirely clear in the fanfic how much good it's actually doing, but it's, you know, somewhat present to some extent. And remind me, it's been a while since I read the beginning of this. Does this force Remus and Sirius to move in together? Because they were not living together before. Right. Sirius was the owner of the bookstore because he's got money. And had a house on the same street where Harry lived. Right. And Remus is technically his employee because he doesn't want to take charity, Mm -hmm. like running the bookstore. Um, And he has his own apartment. Yeah, and they move into Remus's apartment. Right, because Sirius is Harry's godfather and wants to be there living with him, mm-hmm. and Remus mm-hmm. needs to live with him for this charm to be at all in effect. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's the situation that gets them living together like a sweet little nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And it continues quite sweetly for a while. We should probably talk about Remus and Sirius's relationship at the start of this. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the rest of the podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like to get a baseline. They've been pretty tight. Like, they spend a whole lot of time together for, like, the past, what, seven years? Mm-hmm. Well, no, they were school buddies with um, also James and Peter back in Hogwarts. Right. So they original were original marauders. Yeah, the original marauders made the marauders, marauders map, and they were good. They were, you know, school friends, mm-hmm. boarding school friends. And yeah. Re- Sirius kind of had to step in in this continuity, and because Remus was having trouble finding steady employment and not taking care of himself mm-hmm. because of the poverty, mm-hmm. and Sirius kind of stepped in and was like, "Hey, work for me. Like, run this bookstore <laughs> that I'm setting up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm not actually good at work. It, you do it." It kind of revealed later that, I mean, it's revealed at this point that um, Remus can't get work because of being stigmatized for being a werewolf. Right. And it's implied that he's just too proud to ask for help, basically, or too guilty. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Sirius steps in and does that. But then it's um, shown later on that werewolves can go, like, a really long time without eating. So it's possible that, like, he was just not by, like, they, they actually don't die from starvation. So it's actually possible he was just not eating for, like, several months. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that part of his backstory just in the original Harry Potter? That, like, he kind of, getting a job from Dumbledore was sort of yeah. a really good was, thing for him? Well, and I noticed it in Chapter 1, nice detail, where they describe Remus as well-dressed. And I laughed out loud because um, that, in the books, the man cannot dress himself. <laughs> Very shabby. Um, yeah, he's pretty sad. Um, but it was a consequence of um, Sirius being able to help him um, that mm. now, now he is, he can dress himself, so yay. <laughs> well, and he's gay in this continuity, so of course. I mean, he still is in my mind. Like, um, yeah. A funny tangent, but um, when they were filming the movie um, Prisoner of Azkaban, um, the director had um, kind of went behind Rawlings' back and was telling um, the actor who betrays Lupin, um, David Thules, am I getting his name right? Um, but told him like, okay, so this character's gay, um, so I want and I want you to play him basically like a gay junkie. So <laughs> that was how he played Lupin. Wow. And then later on, the books come out, and uh, J.K. Rowling's like, oh, no homo. He's with punks. Um, Not on page, anyway. I don't know what upsets me more, <laughs> honestly. That, like, oh, my gosh. Like, well, Rowling's homophobia or the director's <laughs> weird uh, gay Junkie, yeah. Yep. Okay, that Thanks. was how he was instructed to play. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's a character direction. Yup. Like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Not getting in there. So in this fanfic, they've been co-workers for a long time. They've been friends for longer. They've each had a series of lovers: serious women, Remus men, and kind of stay out of each. They apparently don't even really talk to each other about their love lives. Because, like, it's kind of a new yeah. development for them to even discuss it, it seems like, in this fanfic. They made a lot of assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They both kind of bring p- 
people around and each of the other has been paying attention to the people they bring around, yes. but neither knows that the other has been paying that much attention, I guess. Speaking of people they've been bringing around. Oh, you want me to say it? Yeah. yeah. We have some Good Omens cameos in this. <laughs> Wait, we have multiple Good Omens cameos? Because if so, I missed one. We had, well, we have Azir Fail and uh, Crowley's Mentioned. Cro- Crowley's Mentioned? Yes. Hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Aziraphale is one of the guys it, that Lupin has slept with. Yeah, but yeah. Aziraphale is actually like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> which makes sense to me. They they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, I ship it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read that fic. What's that ship name? Oh, um, Angel Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a character I, in Beast Wars? Ineffable <laughs> werewolves. <laughs> A zero fail serious would be devil. No, Crowley serious would be devil dog, but that would be the. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it would. Oh. <laughs> that would be the companionship. Either. Like, yeah. Like, especially the way. I guess you can kind of tell that this author liked good omens because kind of the way that Sirius and Remus are portrayed in this are kind of like Aziraphil and Crowley in certain ways. I can see that. I can yeah. see you that. You know what I mean? A yeah. little bit. Like, a little bit, yeah. Where they, the way they play off each other and then. Um, Sirius has these passionate and aggressive moods that Remus kind of becomes a tempering force for. <laughs> I like this detail that whenever Sirius gets kind of emotionally upset or has stuff to think over, he just sort of turns into a dog and like lies mm-hmm. around as a dog for a while to process it. Oh my god, I can I tell you how much I related to his character in this? <laughs> like, I always kind of liked the character, but like reading Rowling's, you know, depiction, it's it's like he's very like aloof and blah blah blah. There's like certain things. This was kind of what I wanted him to be. Like he was very passionate about things, and then when he needed to think, he'd turn into Padfoot, and then Padfoot would just get like ear scratches and just like lie about on Harry's bed or on Lupin's bed and do cute things and it's like that is the ideal life and it's like, partially it's partially about getting privacy and partially about not yeah, having to talk to, not, not having, having to talk to people. people but it's also partially as described in this fanfic about he says that dogs have trouble thinking about more than one thing anyway so like when he turns into a dog it's kind of easier to keep focus and like turn something around yeah. in his mind they say streamlines the process streamlines yes. the process yes. like he gets less distracted and it's a beautiful description too because it says nothing about like dogs having any sort of like simplified world view or anything like that it's or, or that you know anything about dog intelligence because whatever about that it's just like dogs have things more clear in their brains yeah. on the contrary he turns into a dog things. for the difficult matters well yeah because yeah. what he says is it do, it's not that the world becomes less complicated it's that he's able to exist in the mode of being worried about something or being happy about something it, it seems like a better way of thinking honestly mm. and which he's is comfortable yeah yeah which is what i think about the dogs as well mm-hmm. so and why i want to be one <laughs> <laughs> I also just love the imagery of Harry walking around with a big black dog and, and like everybody knows them in the neighborhood. And yeah. Sweet. It's sweet. And it's nice too that like there's this thing around intimacy that like Lupin kind of reserves intimacy a lot, but like when he's with Padfoot, he's able to like be have that like physical comfort with Padfoot. Mm-hmm. And it's this nice thing of like knowing that he's still his friend, but, like, as a dog, the social boundaries are different, so he can take that comfort. 
And it's almost critical of, like, the human social barriers to, like, physical comfort and intimacy. Because, you know, he's just a dog. He's just hugging him and scratching him. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, humans have so many hang-ups around touching each other, I guess. Hmm. So there's sort of two main plot threads for most of the fanfic, which is the Raising Harry part. Like, Raising Arizona. That's what I kept thinking of. Mm-hmm. Stealing Harry in the title. Mm-hmm. And the developing serious Remus romance, which takes a little while to get going. So I guess talk about Harry first. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, for one thing, Harry has caregivers who love him and who he gets attached to real quick. And turns less, in, uh, and becomes more of a kid than yeah. a survivor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yes. brings a stuffed frog. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Named yeah. Frog. Yeah. Not appearing in canon, I think. No. No. Yeah. But, but he, he it, loves frogs, and he loves frogs. It could have very well been any of the toys that got destroyed growing up for Harry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, shortly in, they're like, we should probably send him to school or something. <laughs> and what they end up doing is sending him to the homeschool with the Weasleys. Because, um, what's the mother's name? Molly Weasley. Molly Weasley has, like, enough kids that she has, like, her own, you know, <laughs> informal homeschool going. Mm-hmm. Uh, until they can be sent off to Hogwarts. And the fact that they're kind of friends with the Weasleys, th- that seems to come out of nowhere a little bit. Yeah, there's a couple things in this uh, fanfic where they kind of put characters back in from the main story into this one that seems a little bit forced. There was this one, and there was the thing with Snape afterwards. Mm-hmm. It kind of seemed like they are just trying to find excuses to bring these characters into Harry, Harry's life. See, with Severus being in there, I just wrote a note like, Oh, Dumbledore's stirring the pot here. Like, <laughs> they don't have enough drama. Let's throw Snape in there. The Snape stuff is great. Oh, I, it is, yeah. I, I guess the Weasley stuff kind of works because at the very least they have to deal with um, the, the father in the Weasley family. Uh, Arthur. Arthur yeah. Weasley sometimes. Because mm-hmm. they're basically living mostly in muggle society. There's like a few times. Doesn't he come to like cheerfully chew them out about something too? Probably... Like stealing a child from a Muggle family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they came to talk about, and they also ended up chatting about some Muggles. Yeah, stuff. so like maybe they had to be in touch with him to like have a business that serves Muggles and wizards, you know, whatever. It was their contact with the ministry. Right, their contact with the ministry. And I guess it's, you know, contrived that he specifically is their contact because he works in a department that has more than one person, but whatever. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. whatever. There's a lot of these well, things that the... just come off as whatever. Yeah. I mean, it does work in muggles, so maybe... Understaffed. I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and so that works out for Harry. And then you have the Snape thing. Who wants to go into that? Why did it happen again? <laughs> Dumbledore so, said Snape around. Okay, so um, Harry and Ron are hanging out together in the bookshop. And um, oh, right. Ron is like talking about um, Diagon Alley and how awesome it is. Harry has not been there yet. And they're trying to avoid any wizarding spaces because Harry's famous. Um, they don't want him to deal with that. Um, and also to protect him because who knows who's out there, like Peter Pettigrew. Um, anyway, then Ron is like, well, we could just go to Diagon Alley really quick and then pop right back here. No big deal. And then They mess up in the flu network, and Harry ends up in Nocturne Alley, just like he does in book two. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, in a little shop where he sees Narcissa Malfoy mm-hmm. uh, having a conversation with the shopkeeper. And I don't remember what that conversation was about, but... Well, it's not important. Yeah. What I do like, though, is, is that huh. Snape finds him in this store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very Snape that when he finds a clearly lost child who seems to be, you know, probably in some amount of distress, somewhere they should not be, mm-hmm. his instinct is to terrify him. <laughs> <laughs> he says, what have we here, in a low voice. And here he says, I'm lost. Undoubtedly, the man replied. Wander off, dude, did you? Do you know what they do to children who are disobedient to their parents in nocturnally? Harry gulped. The man crouched until they were on eye level. They eat them, he said softly. <laughs> or turn them into mice. Or perhaps they hex them so that they shrink down until, he spread his fingers expressively, they simply disappear. <laughs> it's like A plus child addressing instincts there. Yeah. And I love, though, too, that, like, I don't know if this is, like, the canon age of the characters in the Harry Potter universe, but they strongly define that everybody's, like, 29. Like, all the adults are 29, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is, like, a little bit younger than us. I think it's kind of funny because when you read the Harry Potter books, you think, oh, the grown-ups, like, they're, you know, probably in their 40s or whatever, like, but they're definitely, like... Not even thirty. So Snape is here, like I don't know what to do with kids. Whatever. Oh, this is also taking place three or four years before the Harry Potter. Oh right, yeah, but still, yeah, like early thirty. So like this around our ages. Yeah. Just anyway, just kind of funny to think about. To be fair, once he realizes that Harry did not like willingly wander off from his parents and go somewhere (laughs) he knew he wasn't supposed to, and also be is Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. like he he brings it together pretty quick and like Mm -hmm. gets him out of there into safety. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, when he brings him back to his adopted parents, it's our first interaction of just Snape and Sirius, like, glowering at each other and insulting each other. And, you know, Remus, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Well, <laughs> managing? Bearing, yeah. Bearing with it until he has to intervene fairly frequently. It's a it's a dynamic that happens more than once in this fanfic. It's It's such an interesting dynamic knowing that Snape was, like, bullied by these guys yeah. as a kid, like, as a teenager. So less, I can see why he doesn't yeah, like them, right? Less, less by Lupin, but Lupin did not intervene ever when the yeah. bullying was happening. And so, it sort of seems like he's yeah. still, like, not intervening. And, like, mm-hmm. for me, I would be like, dude, just, like, get over it. I, <laughs> yeah. I think it kind of builds up for Remus during the course of this fanfic, because I think the author sees that, too. And he starts to intervene a little more. But yeah, he just kind of lets them go at it. And Sirius just hates Severus. And Severus just hates Sirius. And there doesn't seem to be a full reason for it. Like, since no. they're fully grown adults They just now. hate each other. They, they, ha- they uh, have this conflict in Order of the Phoenix, don't they? They do, yes. Yeah, so yeah. it's from the source mm-hmm. material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this book came out post-Order of the Phoenix before uh, mm-hmm. Half-Blood Prince. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting dynamic because, right, those two hate each other. Remus yeah. and Sirius and, merely <laughs> dislike each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's right. not like not like anyone likes each other in that, you know, in that standoff. But it does provide a little bit of, like, subtlety to the interactions. I guess, yeah. It's like Remus is almost verging on responsible, but Sirius and Severus are just both very childish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely straight out of, like, Order of the Phoenix 
Um, yeah, it just surprises me that they they all behave so childishly. But yeah, I guess <laughs> totally. that's from the source. So. Totally. So following this, Dumbledore sends Snape back with a letter, and it's like, oh. He basically thinks Harry should be exposed to wizarding places, maybe half so that he doesn't wander off into terrible situations. Dumbledore does not make his reasoning explicit. And he chooses Snape to be the adult who's going to accompany him on these excursions. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he's stirring the pot. <laughs> um, but, it, but it actually turns out pretty awesome. Yeah, even after that very first interaction... Um, Remus is like, you, but you hate children. And Snape says, I hate idiots, and most children are idiots. <laughs> the boy I guess. <laughs> oh the my boy God. seems to have a spark of intellect. Dumbledore thinks I may be able to temper his natural exuberance. <laughs> I know people who have said things like that, like, oh my gosh just saying things like, like that's such a relatable thing, like, it's like that annoying, like, adolescent styled man who's like children are dumb yeah you know and you're like wow you're dumb yeah yeah i don't i don't want to be that person but wow also i I like get the impression that you should work on your snape impression more because i i enjoy it so far (laughs) uh alan rickman snape yeah let's see dumbledore thinks i may be able to temper his natural exuberance (laughs) not great yay that was pretty good i like it yeah anyway what this leads to is lots of snape harry time Mm -hmm. and harry gets a persona not like from the persona series of video games i was gonna say (laughs) that's a different story gets a little disguise yeah pretends to be snape's nephew yeah does snape have siblings i guess Mm. I guess he no. Must. I, must. I think the implication is that nobody knows anything about Snape's family situation. Yeah. Snape would never talk about his personal life. Right. So they're like, sure, it's your nephew. Strange though, because I mean, it's got. I guess it would mostly be the uh, professional acquaintances, other teachers, and the kids. And the kids, you know, wouldn't know or care. But it still seems like the Wizarding World is small, so oh, yeah. somebody would have known whether he did or didn't. They anyway. also don't talk to people sometimes. There's yeah, also a lot yeah. of exclusion going on. There's a on. lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's cute, though. They develop a nice relationship. Harry really likes him. Harry's such a sweet kid in this that he could probably yeah. like anybody. Mm. Um, Harry develops a lot of love for the Slytherin house. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. because Snape, you know, he, he sees Quidditch. And he's like, oh, that's the best thing ever. He's wrong, but, you know, we'll give him that, I guess. Because <laughs> it's a terrible sport, and terrible I hate it. sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so Snape takes him to, like, visit the uh, the Slytherin... Practice. Quidditch team, yeah. yeah. Which he coaches. And mm. so he gets to hang out with the Slytherin some. And they're not the nicest, but they're not unfriendly. Uh, That's pretty much how it's described. Well, I mean, it's kind of, they have the same feelings towards Harry that they normally do, which is like, why is he getting all the attention? That's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, they're all kind of a little bit petty. Yeah. They don't have a reason to treat Harry mean, but they also don't have a reason to treat Harry nice. So they just yeah. kind of keep it in the middle. And and that's the thing with the Slytherin house is I guess they're all just kind of bratty. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're in all... In the books, yeah. Yeah. Um, in the fandom, no. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't seem really fair that an entire, like, group of children should be yeah. portrayed as, like, evil little demon spawn. <laughs> like, come on. But Harry does get to admire their Quidditch skills because they're a strong yeah. team. And no. he, But he also cr- makes a friend across the lines on the... Not exactly on the Gryffindor team. It's like a kid who's getting kind of first year is getting groomed to be on the Gryffindor team. Oliver Wood, who's the captain of the Quidditch team when Harry joins, yeah. right mm-hmm. in canon. Yes. So and like Oliver's every, like everyone I knew had a crush on when those <laughs> movies came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was kind of a square jawed type, like don't remember. Young man, right? He had a nice accent. Like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that sounds familiar. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I vaguely remember that. Don't remember like some kind of British accent. Any sort of thing, <laughs> well, I think it was like Scottish. Yeah, it, mm. it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and so Harry also goes back and like you know gets to hang out with Wood later on, like even in the Gryffindor dorms. And the Slytherins are like, "Why are you hanging out with Gryffindors?" And he's like, "Why shouldn't I hang out with Gryffindors?" <laughs> um, and yeah, that's the thing that goes on. And Snape grows to love Harry mm-hmm. in his yeah. Snapey way. Yeah, and Harry loves snakes. Yeah. And this is the cool thing, is that Harry talks to snakes in this, but he also loves them because he can talk to them, because of course he does, because snakes are awesome. He he doesn't (laughs) really love snakes in canon, does he? No. He's just like, I can talk to snakes, snakes, but I don't care about it. But he's like an eight-year-old who can talk to them. Of course he loves them. He's like, they talk back to me. That's cool. And every time he talks to a snake, the snake voice is so good. It's always like, there was one where he was he was talking to when they went stargazing and it was just hanging out in the grass and he was like, hello snake. And the snake was like, hello. And he's mm-hmm. like, we're looking at the stars and the snake's like, I don't know what those are. And Harry's like, look up. And he's like, I don't see anything. He's like, Harry's like, Oh, maybe you're too small. The snake's like, there's a mouse near your foot. <laughs> Harry's like, okay. <laughs> it's just like the cutest conversation mm-hmm. ever. Like, because he understands snakes. Yeah, in canon, uh, Harry never got a chance to hang around snakes at all. Yeah, that's until a shame. the yeah. second book. Uh, first book, actually. Yeah, he talks they... to Nagini. It helps mm, escape from the well. In the first, zoo. in the first book, when they go to the zoo, <laughs> yeah, and um, there is yeah. the snake that they find, and Harry accidentally releases it, which is like they they say it's yeah. supposed to be uh, Nagini. Also, really? Oh, did they? That yeah, doesn't, that doesn't oh, quite make dumb. sense. Yeah, it's a dumb thing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't no. say it's a good thing. It's a thing. Uh, <laughs> all right, whatever. Well, but, that, but it didn't. Uh, okay. But in the books, that's the only one that Harry talks to before the whole parcel tongue thing comes out. Right. Right. In this fanfic, yeah. Snape takes him back to like a kind of place where he keeps snakes to extract venom for potions. Makes he sense. Raises yes. some, he just raises some snakes. Why not? Mm-hmm. And Snape is pretty interested in the snakes too because of his whole potions passion. And, it's a very and that's thing also. kind of a, yeah, and a Slytherin thing. So they kind of bond and it's very sweet. And Snape's like, you can talk to the snake. <laughs> <laughs> but. Then there's this whole manipulation thing where he has to manipulate the snake into giving its venom, which I wasn't as big a fan of, but whatever. He could have just asked the snake, like, hey, we need your venom. But there was lack of communication on all parties. It's not exactly what Harry did. Just, hey, we need you to bite this. Yeah, and I think it's like, no way. And so he says, you know, like... at first he's like, you like the nice heat lamp? We'll take it away if you don't bite it. And I'm like, Harry... Also, we'll feed you some mice. Yeah, eventually what he convinces him to do is, we'll give you a mouse. And it's like, you should have thought of that first. But anyway. It's a kid. (laughs) But 
we'll take away the heat lamp if you don't bite this. Kids That's, are mean. <laughs> kids are not. People are mean. I mean, yeah. There's this weird scene after that where Snape goes to Dumbledore and he's like, we should tell his caretakers that, <laughs> that Harry's a parcel mouth. And Dumbledore's like, uh, vetoed. And yep. Snape's like, why not? <laughs> I can't even remember Dumbledore's reasoning because I was also like, why not Dumbledore? He didn't have any good reasoning. There wasn't. Really. Yeah. He He's like, wait and tell. see if it becomes relevant. And Snape's like, <laughs> sure. The plot thickens. <laughs> and so what Snape does is on uh, Harry's ninth birthday, gives Harry a snake in order to try to get the guardians to realize that Harry could talk to snakes. Right, like if they see yeah, him talking to a snake then, I also you know. like to think that he was like, I, I bet he'd like a pet snake. That too. Oh, I think it was definitely both, because he yeah. clearly cares for him but like part of his caring for him is like, he doesn't like Remus and Sirius. He is the reason he wants them to know that Harry's parcel mouth mm-hmm. is like for Harry's own benefit. But Remus and Sirius are totally oblivious. I like it. No. They're like, what are you going to name your snake, Harry? And he's like, snakes don't have names. <laughs> and they're like, okay, Harry. Okay, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. And this is not snakes the told me they don't time. have names. Like, okay, Harry. <laughs> it's not even the first time. Like, He's definitely been like, I talked to this snake and it told me this. And they've been like, oh, that's so cute. But... <laughs> To be fair, kids do talk like that. that yeah, they do. And then that is how I respond every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Like right now, we currently have three ghosts living in our house. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah, right. We had a lot of ghosts when my kid was younger, yeah. Yeah. Mm. My younger sister had a spider in her room named George. Mm. That's adorable. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, parallel to all this, you do have the Remus serious relationship developing. It's a little hard for me to remember the blow-by-blow, blow, though. It's, yeah. most, it's a slow burn through the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, yeah, it's very... It's good. <laughs> so Remus has basically been in love with Sirius for a long time, but doesn't see that as even a possibility because he thinks Sirius is a Kinley scale zero. Yeah, but we don't really get that piece of information until Sirius kind of tries to make an advance on Remus. Right. Which mm-hmm. seems kind of out of the blue. Um, there's an establishment of Sirius's heterosexuality kind of from Remus's viewpoint that he's always bringing girls home. And there's this whole thing where, like, Sirius is like, oh, Remus, you think I never noticed that you're gay because you bring all the guys around, you're rare book collectors. I know that you're sleeping with them. All right, moving on. And then a little bit later, Sirius is like, hey, what's up? I want to kiss you. Yeah, I guess the idea is just that Sirius has been spending more time with Remus and, you know, throughout more parts of the day or whatever. And Sirius seems to be the kind of person who might like extend friends to friends with benefits. Yeah. I don't know, like he just might want to make out with his friends sometimes. And so it, it, it's actually established in this fanfic that like he and James messed around a little bit like mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's like a big point for him actually. Like mm-hmm. we don't get that early on, but he's kind of like, oh yes, well I did that because I'm worldly. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then he doesn't get the reaction he was expecting from Remus because Remus is like, uh, no, I am literally in love with you and obviously you know that and like, don't take advantage of my feelings. And Sirius mm-hmm. is like, uh, what? I did not know that. What are you talking about? Yeah, because it, it was a very 
fair statement and yeah. boundary to put up, I uh-huh. thought. Yeah, there's there's actually a lot of really good boundaries being expressed by Remus mm-hmm. here. And there's a lot that happens in this. So Remus has been in love with him for a long time. That comes out when Sirius makes his advances. And he's like, well, if you want to mess around with guys, like, find somebody else. Like, I'm not going to experiment with you. Like, you know how much I care about you kind of thing. Which I guess Sirius really didn't, but... It comes to light that Sirius probably cares about him, too. But there's a lot that goes on where Sirius, Remus is hesitant um, because of how much he cares for him, and he doesn't really believe that Sirius feels the same way because he doesn't believe that he has enough experience with other men to feel this way or even enough experience in serious relation, serious, serious, <laughs> in, you know, committed relationships. So... Right. I forgot another subplot leading into that was Molly Weasley trying to set up Sirius with, like, some yeah. other person who is also a distant relation because everybody is, you know, whatever. Yeah, trying to set up both of them with somebody. Right. right. Which, you know. And got the whole speech of, like, Harry needs a mom. Yes. <laughs> Which Lupin resents, but he's also like, well, like, maybe it'd be good to have another parent figure here because I'm, like, you're the godfather and I'm just sort of, like, adjacent. Also doesn't yeah. want to hold Sirius bla- uh, back. <laughs> he does want to hold Sirius black. <laughs> he does want to, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> ah. Any more inadvertent puns that are going to happen here? Yes, probably. I'm sure. <laughs> But the nice thing around consent here, there it's a really well-explored topic because early on in their romantic relationship, there are a few times where Remus is weak from changing to a werewolf during the full moon. And I guess when he does that, he scratches and bites himself because there's nobody else to mm. do that to. And he's kind of in an aggressive rage. So he takes a few days to recover from all of his wounds and his weakness. And during one of those periods... Sirius curls up next to him on the bed and he's comforting, but then he begins to kiss him. And Remus is like basically how he feels is he's too weak to kind of fight against it. And part of this is his own desire that it comes clear later that he he clearly desires him, um, that he doesn't feel the will to fight against. But when he can conf- he confronts Sirius about it later and it's a really important conversation because he's like totally. you you shouldn't have done that that violated my boundary i don't care how you feel if you're in love with me or not it was it was not all right for you to do that and i feel like it was i don't know the author did a really good job with that because it was like no like this was not the appropriate time and place and i feel taken advantage yeah, just of. like no matter how you feel no matter how you thought i felt about it Mm-hmm. Yeah, you couldn't assume that. Yeah, because Sirius keeps arguing. Well, like, oh, you know, I care about you. I care about you, and all this. But Remus is like, it's irrelevant because I wasn't able to fight back against you physically, yeah. and I, you know, wasn't able to tell you to stop. And I, want, I wasn't conscious enough. To yeah, yeah it, and like, that's and it's a huge yeah. thing. Um, and they managed to work through it through their relationship, mm-hmm. which I think is also important. Because there's this huge thing on how we view consent in our culture that's very black and white and ignores the fact that, like, yeah, there's clear violations of consent, but not everybody understands the nuance of consent. And we're given a lot of messages in our culture that basically say certain things are okay that really aren't, that to me are clear violations of consent. But it's, you know, the messages we receive in romantic 
movies, etc., yeah. are different. So I liked that this was serious, kind of coming to terms with, oh, I thought this was romantic, and Remus being like, no, it was a violation mm-hmm. of my boundary, and you should have understood that. Yeah, I agree with that, and like I've grown too used to reading narratives like this where they will never address it, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's like. Sadly, a nice surprise that they actually do talk about it. And and that's the thing with, like, writing the scenes or narratives like this. It's okay to explore that, but you have to actually, like, address that and state, like, okay, this was wrong. And then, like you were saying, working through it. Yeah. Know? I mean, that was the most important and real relationship piece for me in this is that it, it wasn't black and white like you violated my consent and you're banned from my life Mm. but rather like Remus able to like come to terms with the fact that Sirius lacked an understanding of what appropriate consent would be and he's angry with him the whole time because Sirius is like I don't understand what you did wrong and he's like here's exactly what you did wrong Mm -hmm. but Sirius comes to understand that and because he does he's able to apologize and their relationship is able to heal from it yes and that was like incredible amount of emotional work uh, that the author put into this story that I found was like actually the most important and interesting part of the story for me. Well, certainly less interesting once they get together. <laughs> as, as touched on, one of Lupin's, one of the places Lupin is coming from is saying like, I'm not interested in something like some light physical relationship with you. Like if you're really serious about me, that might be one thing. And you know, Sirius spends some time stewing, and he's, you know, like, I'm attracted to him, like, he's my best friend, I love him, and he comes down, and he's like, yep, I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm serious about you. <laughs> and one of the things I like about that is that Remus does not believe him at first. He's like, I'm not convinced that you're actually committed to doing this mm-hmm. romantic, like, committed relationship with me. Also, um, when... When uh, Valentine's Day comes around, we should make um, cards saying I'm serious about you with serious black on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's got to be done, right? Yeah. I actually, be, right? I don't know if this is a fake memory, but I like distinctly <laughs> remember an, author, uh, an artist, a fan artist I used to like when I was, you know, like teenager on the internet making like literally valentines that were remus and serious that one of them said that mm-hmm. Good. and, and I, I might be wrong but i remember the valentine cards very specifically <laughs> so we'll save our coverage of that for our sister podcast retro fan art retrospective <laughs> where we talk about pictures that we are looking at that are very old <laughs> hey we could make it work as an audio format, yeah, you just put the picture on the the as the 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 image, and then mm. never mind. You could have a narrated PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> That's what YouTube is looking for. Put all the like the bad special effects in there and transitions too. Starwipe too. Starwipe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Uh, so. Remus kind of puts the relationship on hold for a month. You know, he's like, look, just we'll talk about this again in a month and see if, like, we're still at the same place. Okay. Uh, full moon's a thing for me. That's a big stressful. So after that. Right. After mm-hmm. the next full moon. Not talking about anything during the full moon after the full moon when I'm recovering. Right. Which is kind of funny because the, the next full moon is actually a ways off. So I, I think that it was, it's a nice way to be like, yeah, I'll just 
put a little marker on there. <laughs> yeah, well, he needed that just to kind of be yeah. sure that Sirius wasn't just kind of saying shit that he hadn't thought yeah. out. You well, know? it seems like Sirius kind of needed, like, Remus to be a lot more firm, which is part of the issues in their early relationship. But I'm glad that Sirius gets over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then once they get physical, there's a lot of sexual activity. Mm. Mm-hmm. But the way that they get physical is actually... I don't know. There's a couple of stolen kisses and um, Remus saying, well, we can kiss at these times and we can't. But then they finally have a sexual encounter. Well, what happened was the uh, main plot intervened. Oh, yeah. Right, we're right. about the main plot. Yeah, where, uh, Peter Pettigrew that. and um, Bellatrix, Bellatrix Lestrange had just, ex- uh, Bellatrix just escaped from Azkaban. Uh, they met up with Peter and there was like a big attack and there was, people's lives were in danger. And that that's not really that doesn't matter. Let's get back to the relationship part. <laughs> <laughs> so they they they're holed up in the um, what's it called Grimold Place. Grimold yeah. Place. Yeah, and they've just had their attack on their, on their lives, and they're just really grateful everybody's alive. And then you know, then it's like it's stupid to keep putting things off. Let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, the way that Remus approaches his relationship with Sirius, like, is. He finally feels ready for it, and it takes Sirius by surprise. And, like, you know, I guess we've mentioned perhaps that there are a lot of sex scenes in this. There are. And um, I think we mentioned that the the author thought readers were reading it for the sex scenes, which I wouldn't be surprised if they were in a sense, because they're very well done. But also there's a lot more plot and a lot of sweet moments of them being a family with Harry. And, yes, this whole thing with Bellatrix and Peter, which we'll get to. But how I like their sexual relationship after everything that's happened and Remus's like emphasis on boundaries, it starts with him initiating it with Sirius, and Sirius is taken by surprise. And Remus kind of gets, I guess I want to say the power, though that seems a little weird, but he kind of gets to... Momentum, maybe? Yeah, but he also is like, well, I'm way more experienced with this than you are. Like, I know what I'm doing. Kind of, like, lives more in the now and, mm -hmm. like, not worrying about the future and, um, because it's like, oh my gosh, you almost died. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I... Oh, yeah. 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 That was the impetus, is there was... and, And we can talk about that scene, too, but there was this big powerful scene where everybody almost died Mm -hmm. and i just liked how their relationship like sparked from that because remus is like script i'm gonna do it and then it's almost like instead of being afraid of Sirius violating his consent in any way because they've moved past that he's kind of taking up the lead and showing Sirius Mm -hmm. new things in their sexual relationship and it's very pleasurable for Sirius mm-hmm. and it's it's a very sweet kind of thing where Sirius kind of yields all of his dominant aggressive maleness to <laughs> Remus's experience I, I thought that was well done we probably should talk about the you know dramatic plot I don't I don't mean the romance is dramatic in a sense yeah the life-threatening plots uh it's a bit odd because like the relationship takes up the majority of this fanfic the Harry Potter-esque plot of it takes up much less than it would in a Harry Potter story. It does, and it only really, really kicks in, I'd say, in the last few chapters. Yeah. Like, some things happen before that, but it's not kind of the main event until towards the very end. So, yeah, Peter Pettigrew has been a lurking presence. Lupin's sure he's alive and has, like, been venturing out looking for him. And it turns out he's just been a rat in their bookstore the whole time, right under their noses. And, like you said, Dom, Bellatrix Lestrange escapes from 
Azkaban. Azkaban. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she's a relation of Sirius's, so, like, there's, you know, a personal stake there. Mm-hmm. And those two, like, straight up attack the Weasleys, um, you know, when yeah. Harry's there. Yeah, Harry has a birthday party at the Weasleys, uh, his first ever birthday party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, the first time that he's kind of, like, the whole group has let their guard down since the rumors of Peter and Bellatrix have been about, or the rumors of Bellatrix, rumors of Bellatrix yeah. yeah have been about the first time that they let their guard down because it's been months and nothing's happened. And there's a pretty bad attack. People get hurt. Harry gets slashed across the chest. Yeah, Peter steals some blood from him. Yeah, um, it's revealed that werewolves are, like, sort of immune to the killing curse. Or, like, it hurts them but doesn't kill them. So Lupin has to protect Harry with his body from a killing curse that would have otherwise killed Harry. And there's there's a lot. Like, there's a lot of, like this person might be dead, this person might be dead, but everybody kind of narrowly escapes. Except Harry, yeah, Harry gets some blood stolen, and then they see Peter drink his blood. Yeah. Not, is, a, not at that point, right? Yeah, like at that, that, that point, moment. Yeah. At that moment. <laughs> that he, like, slashes them across the shoulder, drains his blood, and then drinks it right there. It takes a moment to do that instead of killing Harry. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And something happened with Neville earlier on before the... Mm. It's before the last part right of the Right after fanfic. this. Right after this. Yeah. yeah. What was the deal with... I, I forget the details. I read that chapter yeah. too long ago. Yeah, it happened a little bit later. Um, it just... They, they just kind of mention it mm-hmm. in passing that, like, oh, yeah, they attacked the Longbottom set right after. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, Neville's grandma gets killed. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so he's sent to live with some uncle who does not want to take care of a small child. Well, first they're in the hospital. It, they're in hospital because they're British. <laughs> <laughs> after, after the attack. Uh-huh. So Neville's in hospital, and they go visit Neville. Right, well, when other people are in the hospital, too, and such. Yeah. and then In hospital. <laughs> and, you know, after that, there's more concern with Harry's well-being. They go and stay at, n- not at Grimmauld Place. Yeah, at Grimmauld Place. At Grimmauld yes. Place. But also with Sirius's other relations, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I forget their names. Andromeda and Ted. Andromeda and Ted, yeah. of course. <laughs> and Tonks. And Nymphadora. Nymphadora. Andromeda is uh, Sirius's cousin. Yeah. Uh, used to be a... Is a member of the Black family. Right. And they're, so there are secondary characters in the fanfic, but I don't care too much about them. They're fine. It's they're fine. Weird. <laughs> the only weird thing is that Tonks insistently keeps saying, don't call me Dora or Nymphadora, and yet the text continuously refers to her as Nymphadora. Yeah. And the only reason I can think for this is because both of her parents are there, and their last names are also both Tonks, yes. so they yeah. don't want to create confusion. But it's a huge point in the fanfic that she doesn't want to be called that, and yet the narrator still calls her that, which is strange. That's a tough situation. Like, mm. Yeah. I don't know how I would have gone about it. Mm. I don't know. The, the distressing thing for me was having Infidora be a character of mm. somewhat prominence, and she's like, what, um, at, in this fanfic? Well, 16, school 18, age, 18, right? No, she six, just graduated. She just, oh, graduated. she just graduated. Okay. So she's 18. She's around. And she's in the same vicinity as Remus a lot, and I can't, I just couldn't stop thinking every time. I'm like, hey, in canon, those two yeah. get together. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to even think Even though they're like 11 years apart in age. Yeah, that, that always though, bothered me about the source, that mm, they were together, mm. not gonna lie. Yeah, it's, well, I, because yeah, she's it's, I couldn't stop young. being reminded of it. <laughs> yeah. Because... Uh, like, yeah, because he didn't want to get together with her because of the age difference. And then... Yeah. But then everybody around them was like, nah, dude, go for it. Yeah. 
And then the fanfic ends, like, the last chapter, the last two chapters, really, with a, like, even more major attack, despite, you know, everyone's attempts to protect Harry. Like, there's been all, you know, Order of the Phoenix is active. Like, lots of people are They've been uh, sticking out the bookstore waiting for Peter to come back. Right. But they end up pulling one over on him. Like, uh, Peter lures away Harry and is Nymphadora. Nymphadora's looking after him at that moment Mm -hmm. with a polyjuice potion of Snape who they trust, and, like, lures him away to a graveyard where he needs to do this evil ritual. Uh, and meanwhile, the bookstore is set on fire to distract other people, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, Peter says, like, oh, I learned this, like, super ancient, powerful old magic. The best magic all seems to be this kind of, like, old, old magic, obviously. Sure, of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. Old and blood. Yeah, old blood magic. <laughs> yep. He learned about that just from, like, reading these books, dark arts books that... Lupin had in the bookstore. Just had around the bookstore. Yeah. Lupin later on kicks himself over and he's like, they were for research purposes and I made people have background checks before I sold them. <laughs> yeah. No one really blames him. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Peter's doing a spell, a couple spells. One is to find Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And I kind of forgot until this fanfic brought it up that at this point in Harry Potter canon, Voldemort is like a little wraith somewhere else in the world, right? Like, yeah. I think yeah. in canon, Voldemort dies is a wraith and then finds quarrel in the forest but like it's like somewhere totally far away too, romania in think. romania yeah yeah so like yeah literally none of the death eaters know where he is in the world so and I, i'm not sure when uh quarrel finds voldemort in romania but that's pretty much the point where they become active in the continuity yeah. right but i don't i don't think until harry goes to hogwarts so. that's what i'm thinking too about well, quarrel has voldemort before harry gets to hogwarts right, i just don't right. know how long but before like, I don't yeah I don't think it was that long. Doesn't seem like that, that long. It shouldn't yeah. have been that long before. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I just totally forgot about that. I was like, I oh, he's for most of his fanfic, I was like, he's gonna resurrect Voldemort like they do in book four, but it's like, no, he's not even in touch with Voldemort. Right. And the fic draws attention to like obviously the one little thing that changes this timeline drastically, but it really does. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the other more like blood magic y ritual that Peter's doing is just to give him more magical power, I guess. He lets him see auras now. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I need to do it in a graveyard, brewed by a mad woman. That's you, Bellatrix. And uh, <laughs> I was expecting a scene where she was like, no offense taken. Or something, but <laughs> she does not comment. No. And he's like, blood of a couple of innocents, you know, this other stuff. Got it going. Then it sticks his hand in a pot. Right, sticks his yeah. hand in a pot. He comes out of it with like... Full Metal Alchemist powers, I think. <laughs> yeah, ability to see magical flows and manipulate them directly. Like, transmutes the air into silver to stop Lupin at some point. Yeah. Pretty cool. And it's honestly surprising because it's like, that's kind of why he needed Harry's blood was to do this. Like, but that, he's Harry Potter. They also implied they needed Harry to find Voldemort. They yeah, needed, They needed right. Harry specifically for the Finding Voldemort. The Finding part. Voldemort The two thing. innocents apparently could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. But I Harry guess. counts. Whatever, whatever yeah. an innocent is. Well, okay, this fanfic's Harry. Yes, that is an innocent. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Nymphadora, I guess. I don't know what's. An I don't know. She did seem surprisingly childish for like an eighteen-year-old woman. Like, right. I mean, woman used loosely for someone who's eighteen. But anyway, point being, is she's of age. Like, uh-huh. but she did seem to act like kind of a young person. Hmm. So yeah, that that's the blood that he takes. There's a whole fight. Obviously, yeah. they managed to, you know, bust in at the right moment. Snape Harry... manages to uh, save the day by finding yes. Harry. Yeah, he does. But Harry's... he's really good at, like, that mental magics and mind searching and communications. Yeah. Yeah. 
even though potions is his like Hogwarts specialty. <laughs> well, he also <laughs> knows a lot master. about dark magic, I guess. Yeah. But unfortunately, Harry's snake is killed. Yeah. He, the, like, snake, which is, which really is Harry's sad. snake, yeah. like, brings in a cavalry of snakes at one point to save Peter. Mm-hmm. The other person who saves the day is Harry himself by throwing rocks at Peter when mm-hmm. Peter is in, like, an mm-hmm. intense magical duel. With, like, incredible accuracy, which I can attest to from the eight-year-olds <laughs> I've worked with is totally reasonable. Eight-year-olds know how to throw rocks. They do. I also like the idea of Harry using his parcel tongue as an aggressive weapon by just rounding up all the snakes in the area to attack a person. Isn't it Snake yeah. himself who does that, though? No, Harry, Harry, Harry does it. Parcel tonguing. Oh, Harry does great then. Um, I mean, I like the rocks too because it's very Harry Potter for someone to be full of magical power and extremely well warded <laughs> and like dominating their their opponents. Just wearing the head with a rock. <laughs> not have taken into account the like idea that someone could like physically just chuck something at them. <laughs> The, you know, the wizarding world are like the the Empire from uh, Return of the Jedi uh, fighting yeah, the Ewoks, right? It's like, look, just hit him with a stick or something. I don't know. I, I want to like Harry. Don't don't equate him to an Ewok. <laughs> or it could be like Home Alone. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Eight-year-old. And, you know. The other yeah. thing I really liked about that is in the follow-up, like once everybody's safe. Spoiler that everybody gets out of that fight, Okay. Thank goodness. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're going to have to hide, go into hiding and such. Oh, also, at some point during that, Harry bites a chunk out of Bellatrix. Oh, yeah. Harry's oh. kicking ass, isn't he, in that whole sequence? Yeah. And then they kill Bellatrix. Well, yeah, uh, I think Sirius does. Sirius does. Yeah. yeah. It's a matter of family, I guess. And but, reverse yeah. from the book. But yeah, Harry just like Rick Grimes the Bellatrix's <laughs> next at some point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was going to say, in the follow-up, in the falling action, at one point, Harry says, Don't see why I have to leave all my friends and Professor Snake and the bookshop, Harry continued. Professor Peter Snake? Peter Pettigrew's not. <laughs> Did I say Professor Snake? Yes. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Don't see why I have to leave all my friends and Professor Snape and the bookshop, Harry continued. Peter Pettigrew's not so great. I hit him with rocks, he added. <laughs> it had been a familiar phrase since the battle. Remus fretted about memory-impairing brain damage, but Sirius had realized it was simply Harry's way of remembering that he had some kind of power, dwelling on the ways he'd hurt Peter rather than the ways Peter had hurt him. And I was like, oh, that's a good little moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, acknowledging that you totally just traumatized this kid who we were trying to avoid traumatizing in the premise of the fanfic. Mm -hmm. This is another point where they keep asking, like, like, was it worth it to take Harry out of the protection Mm -hmm. of the Dursleys in order to to expose him to... A murderous psychopath. <laughs> Which is something that Sirius keeps asking himself. Well, and the, the other person asking it is, it comes up in this last sequence because Snape is using it as a jab against Sirius, which I thought was very yeah. Snape. He was like, well, this wouldn't have all happened if you hadn't yes. removed him from your protective charms. And then he's like, uh, wait, I just said that in front of Harry, who and I Harry care about. Harry's super hurt by yeah, that. He's like, yeah. uh, Harry, I didn't mean, like... JK, Harry. Right. Yeah. He actually tries to apologize, yeah, which is a very unsnape thing, and I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and also Snape got a haircut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah, the only way that uh, Harry would get his own haircut at the Magical Barber was if Snape also did. So they both got, like, really short cuts. But I guess Harry's <laughs> hair, like, grows out on its own really quickly. Anyway, point being is that when they get back from the barber shop, I can't remember if it's, I think it's Remus who's like, what did you do to him? <laughs> Snape's like, what? I didn't do anything. And he's like, no, I was talking to Harry. What did she do to Snape? 
to be clear, this was far before this like yeah, that dramatic was a, fight that for was lives. Ago. But, but it yeah. was cute. I, I just want, want you all to have the right mental image. <laughs> yeah, because he has like really short. Yeah, Snape has like a what is what do they describe it as like being like a Roman emperor <laughs> like haircut. Snape has Caesar. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, and then apparently he's much more handsome after that, so... Well, less greasy, probably. Yeah. Don't think they, they took care of their hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, uh, in the end, yeah, they have to go into hiding. Dumbledore and, you know, the government arrange it, or the Order of the Phoenix, I don't know. Moody's involved somehow. There's, they set up a secret keeper, and originally Dumbledore is like, Sirius, you're going into hiding with Harry. Remus, you're going to be the secret keeper. And another great Snape moment is Snape stepping in, because, yeah. like... I, I teared up a little bit at that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. That was that was lovely. Snape had at one previous point looked into Harry's mind and just to make sure he was being taken care of. And he was like, oh, actually, he's being well taken care of by these two jerks who I hate. <laughs> <laughs> and so he knows that, like, Harry has a good family situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, he steps in. He's like, I'm going to be the secret keeper because I'm far more qualified and a better choice than this scruffy werewolf or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. It's like there's a mutual awareness of these parties that hate each other that their hatred is totally, like, weirdly invalid. <laughs> like, they're like, yeah, I hate those jerks, those assholes, but they're really good caretakers for this boy I love. And it right. comes from both sides. I, I think it's so funny because it makes their uh, insults towards each other, like, so petty, I yeah. guess. There's an interesting, like, complicated adult feeling that happens sometimes. <laughs> I guess. I, I'm not familiar, but... Right, and, and on the other side, Sirius a little bit less so, but Remus is definitely like, no, Snake is an asshole and I don't like him, but he's he loves Harry, he's fine, he's doing good. You don't have to worry about, like, anything serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Comma, serious. Seriously. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're sent into witness protection, basically, in, it Wales. turns out, Wales. Yeah. yeah. For a little while in the fanfic, they're wondering, like, where are we going to end up being yeah, they sent? They kept thinking, we've got to go to another country. And they kept yeah. thinking, like, it's not going to be an English-speaking country. And they don't end up in another country at all, so... Well, yeah, technically. And, and I know, I know. Yeah, They're still in the UK. Mm. Yeah, okay. They're still in the British Isles. They're in a different country. Yeah. <laughs> well, no... Right? Isn't yeah. Wales considered Wales is its own country? UK. They're they're an autonomous region. Ah. Uh, Just like Scotland. Uh but and Northern Ireland. Uh duh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean I agree uh, on principle, <laughs> but I, I think legally speaking, maybe that's not the case. Anyway. <laughs> Could have gone somewhere more obscure in the British Isles, like the Isle of Sodor. Isle of Man? I would say Sodor. Oh. <laughs> no one would look for them among the trains. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and so it's set up. There's sequel stories. There's a lot of sequel stories. Mm-hmm. And oh, and th- this location in Wales is good for you know uh, ley line type reasons, like old mm. you know. They have ancient stone Welsh magics. magic going on or something. Yeah, they do. And uh, <laughs> we're talking a lot about Snape because he's great. Snape's <laughs> in this fanfic. Oh yeah. Snape sends this like passive aggressive letter uh, with yeah. a couple of books with him. One of them's The Dark is Rising. And again, I was like, okay, muggle literature. Mm-hmm. The other one is the Mab- Mabinogian, which is like really old Welsh literature, like mm-hmm. the oldest stories in the British Isles, apparently. Mm-hmm. And the letter, the inscription on the inside cover says, for Harry Potter, 
to keep you from making mischief, as you will no doubt be encouraged by your godfather to do. <laughs> Please make study of this volume in particular, as its educational value is of great import in the absence of your professor, Severus Snape. P.S. You will be tested for content. <laughs> ah, makes me laugh. Loved mm-hmm. it. I just like the idea of making Snape not an asshole to kids. <laughs> right, at, at least one kid. We can yeah. hope that that gets extended a little bit. Like, yeah, please be nicer to Neville. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Please. yeah oh, ne- Neville cool. gets adopted, by the way. Yes. By uh, Andromeda and Ted. Yeah, because yes. they just see him and they're like, ah, oh, this poor kid, he seems so sweet. And, like, his, his uncle's apparently, like, some great, unstable jerk. Old great uncle. Yeah, apparently yeah, he, uncle. like, threw him off a pier or something. Yeah. Yeah. When he was young. Ugh. Anyway. So... I don't know much about the follow-up fanfics, but I know that the different life circumstances of Neville and Draco as the result of this different timeline become yes. relevant. I was expecting yeah. Draco in the sequel. Yes, somewhere. Draco did not appear. He, he does in the sequel. I believe it is Hufflepuff Draco. <gasps> Ooh. I think that's, that's where that Draco goes in this. <laughs> Being raised only by Narcissa and therefore right. hopefully receiving less abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one would assume, I mean, people generally, I think, have interpreted, as we have seen in previous fanfic, Narcissa mm-hmm. to be, like, an equal victim of abuse. That doesn't seem to be the case in this one, though, I don't think. Not in the original, that's fair. Not in the original like, continuity as much, per yeah, se. I see. Stated. I think it's been a common interpretation, as far as I know, but I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily assume it from the source, but... I, but it seems like Malfoy is the worst parent, other Malfoy, Lucy, Lucius Malfoy, is probably the worse of them as a parent, probably. I can't believe I gasped that loud. <laughs> <laughs> that was genuine, too. That was <laughs> I can only assume that would be paired with uh, Slytherin Neville. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding, here. That's, that's probably not the case. <laughs> I, mean, I can see that, yeah. I can't really mm-hmm. see that. I I don't even know what that would look like. Well, with how flimsy these houses definitions are, I can see yes. anybody as anything. Um, right. <laughs> but I don't know. To me, what I liked about this story is that there were sympathetic Slytherins, and Snape was made more sympathetic by you know not being a dick to kids all the time, <laughs> right? Like everybody was a just a little bit more real, I guess, and not even not being a dick, but being super good to kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you know, not, but still himself. Like he was still like you still know, like, yeah. aloof and annoying, and like not and, the best guardian, and really and not petty the best, with like, people yeah, he really doesn't petty. like. Petty, yeah. You know, he still had all his negative character qualities. He just was does wasn't like a extreme like inhuman version of those qualities right this snape i can is more believable of like being and uh being on the good side yeah and Mm -hmm. as somebody who was like devoted to lily and like the idea of lily why would you treat their kid like shit Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. totally Mm -hmm. yeah like is there it's there, oh, there's got to be a million fanfics where it's just, oh, the same, but Harry is a girl, and therefore. And I just realized that the one relevant way, besides, like, you know, gender norm stuff, might be Snape's weird biases kicking in in a totally different way. Oh, yeah. Because if he was like, oh, this kid reminds me so much of Lily, instead of this kid reminds me so much of that asshole James. Oh, you. Then, like, it's like, yeah. It's actually a good point, because a big reason, like, that 
Rowling gives for that is because he looks so much like his father. And also has similar, at least a partially similar kind of um, privilege attitude going on, I guess. Sure. Yeah, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But I can see, like, what if Harry, like, not even, like, considering the gender element, what if he had just looked more like like his mother? Yeah. Yeah, right. Because he does, he's supposed to be, like, exactly looking like his father for some reason. Except yeah. for you his know. eyes. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. His eyes. Anyway, yeah. yeah, it's safe to say that Harry Potter is all kind of, uh, has a lot of one-dimensionality in the characters. Mm-hmm. Though I think it tries. Um, I really appreciate this story for bringing a lot of depth to the characters while retaining a lot of those essential traits. And it does it quite well because those essential traits that are so silly and petty are made out to be just that kind of silly and petty mm-hmm. and kind of easily diffused in ways, such as the the bickering between Sirius and Severus and et cetera. And I just want to say that Remus and Sirius are great dads. I think yeah. they're doing yeah. a great job. Yeah, it's really like, I think we kind of skipped it, but a lot of the meat of the story is just kind of a sweet family yeah. life they have together. So I understand why this is called the Saving Harry verse because Harry is a happy, sweet, adorable child in this. Well, it's the Stealing Harry, isn't it? It is the Stealing Stealing. Harry verse. Oh, I thought it was Saving Harry. Apparently, Saving Harry is like a name for the genre of fanfic. I see. Like Bring Back Frodo? (laughs) Right. Gotcha. Anyway, either way, point being, Saving Harry makes sense Mm -hmm. because he is saved in this. He's given... Two wonderful parents who love him and their whole yeah. home dynamic is focused on frequently. And every time it is, it's it's completely sweet and fun to read. Like, it's just adorable. And I can't imagine anyone not wanting to read that. Like, and it's just so good. They're just really thoughtful about the way they're raising him. Like... Like, you know, when they're having an argument, they put a silent spell up so Harry doesn't have to hear it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and just, and like the way they explain things to him, like, oh, you know, we're, we had a disagreement and now he's padfoot, but it's fine. Like, yep. Now, traditionally, we find a few things to complain about before saying our favorite things that we want to praise about the fanfic. We've praised it quite a bit. Both of these might be fairly short, but what do we have to complain about in the fanfic? I'm not sure the sexual scenes were necessary. I feel like when we talked about the Asimov story, what was that? Sifi. Mm. Yeah. We had, one of the things we discussed was the, the sexual stuff was fine and the main plot was good too, but it didn't really seem like they both needed it seemed like it was kind of two separate story arcs that Mm -hmm. were just running in parallel rather than ones that were the same story. Hmm. And I kind of got that feeling here too. Like the romance is great Mm -hmm. and the main story is great. Like with the, you know, adopting Harry and like the things that fall out of that. And they're kind of related. I mean, they kind of spark the Harry situation sparks off the romance, but they also kind of felt separate to me. Like, I don't think it, it makes it a bad story, ruins the story. I'm just not sure if it sh- should have been there, but it is, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's fine. I, I liked see what you mean. them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you like them, it'd be good, yeah. I mean, and it's um, Lupin-centered, so yes, please. <laughs> so no complaints at all? Oh, none. None at all. 
I really have to agree with the, like, the Sifi comparison is really good because it does feel like there's kind of a separation between not the sexual parts necessarily, but, like, the relationship story and then this plot that's this dramatic plot that's kind of brought in towards the end. However, I'm kind of in that same place with Emily where it's like, <laughs> I liked everything. Yeah. So like, so you I, wouldn't take him out. No, right. I wouldn't take anything out. I do think the composition is a little rough and I can see where someone who wasn't interested in either aspect of this could fall on either side of the thing. Like we talked about earlier, like if you were just in it for the sex, you'd want that to happen a lot <laughs> earlier and maybe more frequently. But if you're not in it for the sex scenes at all, then you'd probably just want to stick to this main plot. And especially, I would think, have this main threat start to develop a lot earlier and build up more before it's very kind of rapidly dissolved at the end. The seeds are planted early on, but it builds in jags. Yes. It seems like those scenes were like a companion fanfic that were written alongside the main story and added into the story. Like, you could take yeah. it out and have them be like a little extra alongside the story. I felt like the action parts of the story were written quite well, and they were interesting, and they were very Harry Potter. But honestly, my, my biggest point of interest was the relationship stuff. And the sex scenes helped to build that. Maybe they didn't need to be as many, but again, I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Point being is that the relationship and the family stuff in the story is what I found to be really valuable. Yeah. So, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, let's lead in then. Is that your favorite thing about the fanfic, you think? The kind of family fuzzies? Mm-hmm. For me, absolutely. Harry Harry is such a sweet little boy in this, and the way their family ties together, and those conversations around consent, like, even when there's mistakes being made, the family writes itself and repairs itself, and it's not 100% perfect, but they end up listening to each other. And I don't know, their relationships are just strong and sweet and good. I think uh, a lot of the strength of an AU is um, wish fulfillment, something you wish would have happened when reading the uh, original story. And I think this does this pretty well without being overindulgent or like over saccharine. <laughs> it gives a, a realist, not realistic, but a believable way of fixing some of these glaring problems that was still, that, that still left you with a fun and engaging story. Because a lot of time when you fix a lot of problems, then the story becomes like dull and boring. But they still have a have a story independent of this that they kept moving and kept interacting with. Yeah, for sure. Thinking back on it, I really liked the fanfic. I thought it was very good. A thing that I liked maybe the most might be the first chapter where we have Harry's perspective. Mm. Because like you mentioned, Dom, one of the main draws of Harry Potter is kind of that like escapism, like entering the magical world. And it's one of the most memorable parts of the whole series is the early part of book one, where like Harry is drawn into the magical world and learns about it. Getting that letter, uh, Welcome to Hogwarts. Right. Yeah. And that one, that first chapter in this fanfic kind of recaptured that magic in the same world with the same character, but under totally different circumstances that made me, like it was a really good hook for the fanfic. Like it started off really strong, mm-hmm. even if it didn't really continue in that direction, being Harry's point of view or anything. I think it was just a really good execution of a good premise that that really drew me in as a reader. Yeah, I agree with that. And, like, talking about a wish fulfillment, like, I, because I love the book so much, as I've discussed, and 
I think they're super important with their themes of, like, um, rebellion and, um, like, standing up to um, a bad authority. Um, very important message right now. Um, but is it what I want right now? No, this is more what I want to read, which <laughs> is, like, this kid gets taken out of a bad situation and has two wonderful dads who love him and like yeah my favorite characters don't die I love that (laughs) um and Snape's not a dick I love that this is this is everything this is the kind of escapism I need in my life right now (laughs) um like yeah my headcanon actually is like Harry becomes a stay-at-home dad at the end of the Wizarding War. Like, just it's finally gets to be happy. Um, but in this, it's well, completely happy timeline. So, yeah. Well, there's a little murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, there has to be some. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Thanks glad you weren't. Me. I'm glad you were not disappointed by this lengthy novel that I made you read. Not at all. Would have been pretty sad if you were like, "Oh yeah, it was terrible." <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's terrible, I probably still enjoy it. Even if it was terrible, it would That's still my be favorite Lupin. character in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we are reading something significantly shorter, and unfortunately without Emily, it is going to be Love Beyond All Measure, which is a Lois and Clark fanfic. We're doing that, of course, out of Oregonian patriotism. Wait, what? Yeah, you know, Lois and Clark. We have to learn about it in school. We watch the whole series. How's it Oregonian? What? Uh, you know, Lois and Clark are famously uh, oh, related to Oregon. Oh, my God. What? Uh, yeah, I'm making a terrible Lewis joke here. Lewis and Clark. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what he's saying. Because <laughs> Lewis, the, Lewis Lewis the name of the, the Lewis TV show was Lewis. Lewis. Lewis and Clark. <laughs> Super smart. Amato, if I could fire you. <laughs> but Amato is our you boss. You might be able to find a way. <laughs> no, oh, we are man. reading a Lois and Clark fanfic, which has nothing to do with Oregon whatsoever, because it is Lois Lane and Clark Kent. It's a and... long walk for a short drink. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> went to grad school at Lois Lane and Clark Kent College. <laughs> well, they should have a college. Mm-hmm. Journalism. School of Journalism. This and pretty, superheroing. Just <laughs> journalism. Clark Kent has nothing to do with Superman. Of course Excuse not. me. Yeah, Superman Excuse doesn't have you. glasses, so they can't be Oh, right. The same person. I'm so sorry. I forgot for a second <laughs> that Superman doesn't have glasses. This is a much shorter fanfic. It's going to clock in about 20,000 words by Chris Mulder, and it's an award winner. Uh, but we'll get into more of that next time. Best dramatic story. That's what it won. Hmm. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrlove. That's right. It's the first <laughs> fanfic that we've done with love in the title. It gets to be love. That's not true. Mm. The one I love is. Yeah. <laughs> it's the second fanfic <laughs> we've done <laughs> with love in the title. Uh, well, that one I think was RFR Toily, right? Yeah. 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 So I don't want to do that again. <laughs> Just anyway. RFR Love. As for this, this was episode 54 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Stealing Harry by Copper Badge. Good job, Copper Badge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I kind of wish Copper Badge had written the Harry Potter series, then I might have liked it more. I know, right? (laughs) This is wonderful. I I could never get into the Harry Potter thing because it was all so one-dimensional to me. There's three more books of this and a few short stories. Wow. There you go. Yeah. All right. I think they do a time jump into Hogwarts and then they go from there. But it's unfinished. I mean, take that, J.K. Rowling. That'd be a good, good use of time jump, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our link to the fanfic goes to the archive of our own copy, and you can add additional kudos there. Just add four phantom kudos because we're not, you know, doing it separately for each of us when you're counting them. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, contact us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, uh, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, or you can leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or your particular podcast service of your choice, which would be great. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. I'm Emily. We're just four muggle life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Who said I was a muggle? Endopodcastium? <laughs> good incantation, though. As good as Latin as anything else in the books. Yes. <laughs>